it makes sense that it's wildly popular amongst uh I don't want to say the common folk, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the, I was just like, I was the, putting a tap yeah. and he's like, like where, yeah. where's he going? Where, yes. What's he doing here? But, but it is we're crazy. Here. Here. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing it to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. Well, we've seen it time and time again, and right now that toasted barrels, they seem to be all the rage. But why? Do they taste better than our regular bourbon counterparts? Or has the consumer shifted their taste profile? Maybe they just want something different. Well, in this episode, the whole team, we sit down and we blind taste our way through four different samples, and we ponder on many questions in the toasted category. Where did it start? Do different mash bills affect the outcome? And where should the line be drawn on what we consider acceptable? We examine this and a whole lot more. Plus, we also pick our favorite during the blind tasting lineup. Well, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Rob Bishop, Patreon member who writes me on fredminnick.com. I always enjoy the Above the Char segment on Bourbon Pursuit, and I saw the email asking for topic suggestions. Thank you, Rob. People are enthralled with certain dusty bottles. Why? Why is the bourbon in these bottles considered so special or so much better than what is on the market now? Is it just a connection to the old days? Is the juice inside really better? And if it is, why is it better? Well, Rob, I think there's a lot going on here when it comes to dusty bottles. There's a nostalgia component. There is a touch to the the history. Probably 90% of the collectors and drinkers could give two shits about the history. They they really don't. I, I do genuinely think that the majority of the whiskey made prior to 19, 1982 was made quite a bit better than today. Today's whiskey is great, don't get me wrong, but you're looking at, for the most part, the corn was different, the trees were often uh, first growth or would be very old. There's a lot of, you know, a lot younger trees today used in the cooperage process. There's far more reliance on computers today. The truth is, you know, you hear all these stories about mash bills and what have you, and the everybody working at a distillery is looking at a computer screen. I mean, th- that's the truth. They're all looking at a computer screen, and while that leads to more product being put out, it's more efficient, blah, blah, blah. You know, a bit of the romance is kind of gone, and, and like, I really believe, I believe in the human element in a much bigger way. That's why Parker Beam was so special, and Lincoln Henderson so special. While they had access to computers, they were the human element. They would go in and, and like see every process. And there's things that the computers cannot detect that the human eye or taste or smell can. There also is the fact that prior to 1962, the barrel entry proof changed. So prior to 1962, the barrel entry proof law was 110 proof. After that, it was 125 proof. That changed for tax reasons. And a, a lot of those, a lot of those distilleries now are gone. So a lot of the dusties that people hunt 
are from national distillers, you know, the former former Old Crow, former uh, Old Taylor distilleries. They're extinct. They're gone. Yeah, well, they're refurbished and brought back. I mean, it's not the same. Stetzel Weller was sold by the Van Winkles in, um, in 1972. And the company that bought them that would end up holding the rights to them, United Distillers, now Diageo, closed them down in the early 1990s. So uh, they haven't distilled a drop since the early 1990s at Sitzel Weller. So, so you have you have a lot of uh, whiskey heritage that was iconic and brilliant. And just whiskey has not been the same. Like you can... If a bottle has been properly stored that was distilled in the 1950s and you taste it as it would have tasted in the 1950s, they blow everything out of the water today. Everything. Everything. That's because the processes, they were not sophisticated, but they were hands-on with palates, with people who cared. The ingredients they had to make whiskey with was, was you know, frankly, in my opinion, better than today. Today... You have an industry that is is very much getting back to its roots, getting back to the human element a lot more. You're seeing a lot more tasters kind of come up the ranks, uh, whether they're labeled master tasters or just part of a tasting panel. You're seeing a lot of old school Seagram's techniques being introduced into distillers around the world. I'm hopeful and you're also starting to see distillers go back to some of the old ways, like uh, lower barrel entry proof, such as like Wilderness Trail, MB Roland. You know, those are new distilleries that are going in the barrel at 110 and below. And you're starting to see a lot of like new styles of corn being introduced that ha- that are not genetically modified. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you're starting to see a lot of uh, new techniques come in from that side. So I I think that you are you are seeing like a an effort to go back to some of the old ways, which is very promising. But, you know, to answer your question, that's why Dusties are so special. They are a time capsule of when American whiskey was all about the human. So that's going to do it for uh, this week's Above the Char. Thank you, Rob Bishop, for being a Patreon member and for sending that question. If you want to be like Rob, hit me up on uh, fredminnick.com. Let me know your thoughts. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new 
Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another special episode of Urban Pursuit today. Well, it's just the gang here. So, of course, we got Kenny and Ryan. Hey, hello, friends. And Fred back with us as well. The idea about today is talking about the toasted barrel craze. And what we're going to do is something a little bit different as we go through here. You know, this is something we, we don't do very often, which is kind of just, you know, blind taste stuff and, and kind of pit stuff against each other. But a lot of people want to know more about the toasted side of things. And so we're going to do a blind toasted barrel taste off today. So we've got a few different samples in front of us. But before we get into the actual depth of talking about the toasted process, what it really gains, Ryan had a prediction earlier this year. We'll probably get into that a little bit. But before we kind of get you started, just let you know what we do have in front of us today, which is blinded. And we'll get to it a little bit later. But we have a Woodford Reserve Double Oaked, an Elijah Craig Toasted Barrel, a Michter's Limited Edition, of course, released Toasted Barrel, and the latest Wild Turkey One which was also a toasted barrel too. So we'll talk about one yet. So I'm excited to try it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dive a little bit more of these uh, into it, but first let's, let's kind of talk about maybe a little bit of history of toasted barrels. I know we've all kind of talked about like, where did we see it first? And when was it kind of really start ringing into the the presence that you kind of see is today? It's like, everybody seems to be doing a toasted barrel, right. but Fred, I'll let you start with you because I think you might have the, the deepest history with it. Yeah. So when we look at what toasted is, it's essentially a, a, a second use. It's a second barrel that was specially created, right? So it's specially created for the use of this. We, we So it's a little bit outside of the barrel finishes and that these the barrel finish category is that these are barrels that were used in another category and they were applied into into a finish. These are barrels, the toasted or double barrel finish or double oak finish. These are barrels that were uniquely created for the intent purposes of a bourbon being put into it after it had been matured in its first barrel. So these are new charred or, or new toasted or new charred oak. So these are new, new barrels. So it's virgin oak. So there's a different process here from a chemical level in that the wood hasn't been beat up by another spirit or wine for the past 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Well, the other thing about it with the toasted side of it too, is it's typically not your level four char. It's Correct. something that it's, it's lighter than a one. And sometimes what they'll do is do, do a, they'll do a light toasting, which I know like Woodford Reserve Double Oak, they do a light toasting and then they have sort of like a level one char, which is the lowest kind of level char. Actually, probably toasting is the lowest level charge you can actually get. But well, it's not a char, it's, it's, it's toasting. To- <laughs> so, so, a, so a good way to describe like the difference between toasting and charring, imagine uh, the difference between the flame of a Bic lighter like and a torch. So a Bic lighter, you know, you take a you, you take a lighter and you kind of wave it underneath a stave or a board. And you kind of go back and forth. You see it kind of like having an impact, a little bit of it uh, searing off and just kind of like a, a slight sear. You put a torch on that same piece of wood and it'll start cracking and burning very quickly. So that's the difference between a, a toast and a char. And, and the toasting technique 
it was really you know created for wine and what it does is is it create it pulls out particular wood sugars inside the wood that will get destroyed by a char only and so you know whiskey barrels you hear people talk about them being expensive all the time but in the in the in the spirits and wine world whiskey barrels are typically the cheapest barrels and that's because they're just they're created charred and sent off to Jim Beam or Jack Daniels and it's in it's only recently and when I say recently I mean the past two decades 25 years 30 years I guess going back into the 90s is really when it would have started from a consistent level. You saw a lot more toasting being introduced into the bourbon community. Now, the first people to do it are actually people we don't have on the shelf, and there are people that you know don't really get a lot of credit. But the first, the first guy, to my knowledge, to, to really do this was Pritchard's out of Tennessee. Yeah. And he had a product uh, that he was trying to get called Double Barrel. It was, it was called a Double Barrel, and he, he ran into some... Much like Phil Pritchard did in a lot of his career, he ran into a lot of uh, regulatory issues and got a lot of rejections for the things that he wanted to do. You know, this this is a man that was before the wave of craft distilling, before the wave of the bourbon boom, and he just did a lot of stuff that the federal government did not like uh, approve, and that was that was one of them. So, like when. When Woodford Reserve came out with Double Oak, he was kind of like, "What the hell?" You know, they beat me to it. They stole my. I, they they would, stole my idea. He's like, "What the hell is this all about?" You know, but but Woodford really, and, and there were others who were, were doing it, but Woodford Reserve was really the first one. And Double Oak comes out, and I think it was two thousand, you know, two thousand ten to two thousand twelve, somewhere around there. And I actually have a very special connection to Woodford Reserve Double Oak because when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, okay, <laughs> all four of my wisdom teeth taken out, I mean, I had I had trouble tasting after that. Like, I don't know if like my my mouth was numb, I got hit with a nerve or something. I don't know. I don't know, but I had trouble tasting. And the only bourbon that I could taste for a long time was uh, the Woodford Reserve Double Oak, and. And that was like, uh, and to this day, like I, I taste, I taste that uh, that bourbon, and it brings a smile to me because it was like you were there for me when I needed you most. When you I know, was, it's kind when of I was down and out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, shortly thereafter, very close to it, toasted barrel from Michter's came out, and they really, you know, double oak is a little bit more of a mainstay product. Uh, toasted oak is a product that is you know, more limited edition. A lot of people don't know, especially during this time, Michter's was contract distilling, you know, with Brown Foreman, but they were doing unique stuff for themselves. And the Michter's uh, toasted oak barrel, to me, has been the hands down category leader. In the last few years, we've seen a lot more toasted series come out. Now it's, I swear to God, there's like a, there's a, you got a toasted, I got a toasted, you get a toast. And it's like, everyone has a toasted product these days. And the thing is, is like, I think at this point, it's, it's becoming a lot less about the creation of the product and more about the marketing. And yeah, follow, you follow the money at that point. Yeah. And it's like, and you're like, I'll give a lot of negative reviews on toasted, toasted barrels. And then people were like, how dare you give that a negative review? I tasted that and tasted toffee. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you just enjoy your, your bear. Yeah. You enjoy well, it. But I mean, I have not been very positive on these. Well, they're, I mean, they're good, but they're all 
very similar to me. It seems like you yeah. get like there's no like to me it's like you're you're getting all the toast character, which is yeah. which is good. You get a lot of this. It's very sweet and it's understand from a marketplace perspective, like a common palate's going to enjoy a lot of those sweet, sugary, you know, marshmallowy type flavors, and so it it makes sense that it's you know it's wildly popular amongst uh you know. I don't want to say the common folk, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was going to tap Kitty's like, like where, yeah. where's he going? Where, yes. What's he doing here? But but it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy though. You know, Double O came out way before Mictors toasted, but Mictors was the first people to say it's toasted, you know? And it's like, I think of this Don Draper Mad Men show and like, they're talking about Lucky Strike and how they can, they can't no longer say like it's healthy or this or that. And then, you know, they're meeting with the cigarette execs and they can't come up with an idea. And then, uh, Don Draper goes, how about we say it's toasted? And they're like the the CEO of the Lucky Strike Company is like, it's toasted. I like that. Yeah, I like <laughs> and that. so they ran with it. And it, people do like that, that it's toasted. It's not double oaked. It, toasted just has a nice like, I don't know, it brings back like Pop-Tarts and campfires and this and that. People like toasting. And the best marketing, the best marketing campaigns come from real origin. And like the, if you're a bourbon consumer and you've been in this for at least a couple of years, you know the toasting process. And if you are someone who craves the oak flavor, like Kenny does, like the sweet oak note that we kind of talk me about all, all the time. Me all your oak. <laughs> you know, you have Triple a, oak. you have a ready-made consumer for you. And I am the first person to admit I am not an oak chaser. Like I, I am very sensitive to oak. I'm very sensitive to uh, bitterness. And like, and when something is uh, over oaked, I mean, it falls down to the wayside for me. I mean, people loved some of the older Parker's Heritage products. I think I scored them in the mid seventies, and like those are now like you know eight to. Eight hundred to two thousand dollars on the secondary market, but I I can't I can't stand it. And like and and Pappy Van Winkle, twenty three year old, people go batshit crazy for that. For the most part, you know that's over oaked. I prefer the fifteen year old of that. But so when you add a an additional barrel to that, you are only amplifying the potential of it to be over oaked for me. So you know my you're, craving. You're is, playing with danger with Fred is what you're yeah, trying to say. <laughs> but my craving for double oak and my love for it is like it has like this chocolate syrupy note to it, and it's like and it doesn't. It's 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 weird. I like that one. I did not like uh, the Elijah Craig toasted barrel. Michter's. Here we go. It's blind. We'll really see. I know. Well, I we'll find wait. out. We'll find out. I can't out wait till he like, picks Elijah Craig. Toast. <laughs> if, if, and if I do, I mean that's why you taste blind, that's right? Right. And I will say though that I mean like. I, I slept well. My palate's good. I've been preparing Same for here. this tasting. Well, so. it too, it, I'm curious too, like the, well, obviously the Mictors and the Double Oak are going to be maybe somewhat similar, but. Who knows? Yeah. I'm interested too, like with different mash bills, you know, like Brown Foreman, you know, has that, that yeast that makes it, you know, real brown sugary sweet right. already. So it just amplifies the sweetness. And then, but whereas Elijah Craig and like Wild Turkey are more of a high rye mash, higher rye mash bill content, you know, probably more fruity and a little bit spicier so i don't know if that complements or if it contradicts and it's also very important like just to t jump in on the on the mictors part real quick they were doing their own recipe so it's not like they were sure it's take, not the same it's exactly. not like they were taking their stuff they were doing their own mash bill their own yeast their own barrel entry proof so it's kind of like they borrowed brown foreman's kitchen to make their whiskey right during that period of course they make their own stuff now have been since uh 2014 that may actually be their whiskey now 
Like that, Mictors is at that point. This is the 2018 release of it. So who knows? Oh, then no. So yeah, this yeah. was the 2018 release. So we, uh, I pulled, I pulled one out of the archives. Oh man, you got, you got an OG. Well, yeah, the first one I think was like 2015, 2014, 2014. 2014. Yeah. I remember the, I remember when I, I got my first Mictors toasted barrel, and I remember it pretty vividly. And that I, was that was uh, the early was, Kenny days. It was, a, it was a good time. It was a good time. But I remember getting it and trying to figure out like, okay, what makes this so different? And for me, and I noticed this with like even when I drink sometimes with 1910. Uh, even though 1910 is not necessarily what we I think was supposed to be considered a toasted barrel, but it's a, a second barreling. But when I remember tasting the 2014 release of Mr. Mictor's Toasted, it was like overly cherry, uh, that cordial cherry taste. And that kind of, I didn't say it turned me off, but it was just almost like too much, too much where yeah. I felt like artificial. Now that people are starting to do it more, I've starting to taste them and I'm like, okay, is it, it's not just artificial cherry anymore. I'm getting some different things. I'm getting some maple. I'm getting a few different sort of characteristics into it as well. You know, we'll we'll start kind of like nosing through and, and kind of going through oh, these. I think we've been nosing it all. Yeah, long, yeah, right? yeah. Honestly, I, I really like the nose on one. It has like almost like a maple characteristic to it. The other thing people may or may not know about the the toasting process is that when you are rebarreling something, it's not like you're rebarreling it for one, two, three, four years. I mean, this is the span of maybe potentially eight weeks or less is actually how long it sits in a toasted barrel. Like only yeah. they would disclose to us. Like that's that's the one thing that I don't like about this category outside of like Woodford. Woodford's very transparent. Like this was in here for, you know, six weeks, three days and four hours. I mean, they will they will put it down. But I think for the most part, when it comes to these secondary finishes, they're not they're not um, they're not as transparent as they should be. Well, it's funny. I've been toasted. playing around with some finishing and staves and whatnot, and it's you gotta like you have to check it every day. Like it turns fast. Like I've I had some where I was like, oh, I'll leave it for two weeks, and then I go back. And I'm like, I too much. Did, too I much. did one week, and it was like, all right, that's really good. I'll let it go another week, and then I did it a week more, and I'm like, that just went way past what I was looking for, and so it's like. It's amazing how fast they change, you know, in that new toasted barrel, extracting all that. Because even when we did new make, or we did our new make last year, I went down. You're talking about the Pursuit series. Correct. Yeah. Stuff we're making, contract distilling through Barson Berman Company. Went down like three weeks later and they're like, hey, you want to try some of your butter? I was like, man, it's three weeks old. He's like, well, we can at least look at it. And he pulled it out and it was already like a hay color just three weeks, you know, after it'd been in the barrel. So it's, it, it does pick up a lot, like really quickly. So, sure does. Yeah. So uh, one thing, when, while we're in this blind tasting, we know we have the brands up here. I'd advise you or encourage you to 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 not focus on what it is and just yeah. break down the whiskey. I know we've talked about this before, but for those listening, if you are in a blind tasting and you're spending all your time trying to figure out. Is this what it is? This the product, and then you put all your energy into that. You're not focusing on the glass and whether or not glass A is better than glass B. Instead of just trying to pick it out and say, "All right, I can try to match these things." Yeah, that's that's ego versus like actual tasting. And I will tell you, like glass one, this is a beautiful thing that a barrel finish can do that does not typically happen in an American whiskey. We use a lot of rose water in my home for making like cookies. And this has like a a, a rose water note in it that uh, you don't get in in a bourbon unless you unless you have uh, like a, a secret sauce uh, secondary barrel, you know? Yeah, I, it does have like those floral notes in there, but it also has like a little bit of 
black raspberry like graters ice cream you know the black raspberry chocolate kind this of is glass uh, one is just yeah. like if this is what we're drinking all day together then boy it's going to be a good day i know yeah i did try to get us to go outside and smoke cigars yeah. you know i did try for that uh, it's this would uh, be 31 degrees today. this would yeah. be a good cigar smoke it is really good it's it has, has a good coating mouthfeel i think it also has it has a good layer of oak in it as well it's not it's not too too yeah, off nice balance of the of the toast with so it, uh, some of those great aged bourbon notes you get, mm-hmm. the fruity floral notes in there. Ryan, do you remember the what was the show where you would uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You would call up friends to help answer a question. If there's ever a show where Who Wants to Be a Taster, and you have to call in someone to like taste something like to define the amount of oak in it, I'm calling Kenny. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> just that amount of oak. That's all I'm good for though. <laughs> You better have a different Rolodex of somebody you can call just in case there's a better question that comes out of it. There's a uh, 23.8 van- vanillin in that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is actually He's going to start reading an yeah. ISC, you know, report, you know, barrel report from when the, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this well, according a, to the research. This, this is at least 48 uh, month uh, these are old the co- season staves. And yeah. This is South Facing Appalachian uh, Corcus Albo. <laughs> The Oak Report. It's crazy on nose two. I don't get maybe because nose one has a lot of those toasted characters, a lot of fruity. This is more just smells like a younger bourbon to me. Like it doesn't have like over. I I, I smell a little more of the grains. I don't smell. Yeah, I actually thought one and four had probably the closest in the smell. Right, me Um, too. I I don't know. We we don't know. They're all blind, but one and four definitely had the closest when it came to the the smell and the scent. You know, the other thing I want to kind of bring out of this is is the the marketing aspect that we think about toasted. So we had mentioned before that really Woodford Double Oak was the first one to to kind of come with it, saying we're going to do a light, lightly toasted barrel with a char one, and they called it Double Oak. They didn't really make it a, a mainstay, or they aren't really trying to push it as, hey, here's our limited edition toast. This is just an everyday product offering. Michter's came around and started the premiumization of it and kind of said, this is a limited release offering. And now everybody else has kind of started following along with it or not just following along as a, as a limited edition offering, but it is a, a more rare or allocated release of something like that. And then we look at even what came out with one of the ones we have on here is Wild Turkey Master Keep One, where you look at a heritage distillery like Wild Turkey. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, they waited not to just make a, not, you know, none other like brand extension or small thing. They took Eddie and Jimmy sort of like premium product of what they put out at the end of the year. And it's their toasted release. Like I was kind of, it was a little bit unexpected for me to kind of see that. Well, let's yeah, never forget the amount of arguing that goes on with the Russells when it comes to doing something new. <laughs> That's probably a 15 year old argument right there for Eddie Russell right. and, and Bruce. <laughs> so to get past Jimmy, but there's this, uh, there's this old saying you never, you know, in business, you never want to be the first with an idea. You know, you want to be the second to see if the idea hits. I learned this with my first book, Whiskey Women. You know, my agent at the time told me, like, you don't want to be the first with the book. And I was like, this, well, if I don't write this, no one else is going to write it. So, and and we, we saw that I got hundreds of rejection letters with that book and we got one publisher to say yes. When you are first with an idea of something, you have to open the market. You have to educate people. And everyone after that, you know, reaps the rewards of your work. You pave the path for everybody yeah. else. And yeah. and what's what Woodford Reserve did with with Double Oak? Because they did something that no one else really could. They had people, and, and Chris Morris is great at describing whiskey and oak and everything. And they had people that would add on to that. And, and they did a really good job 
of telling the story of that product so much so that they had double double oak, you know, and then the dub- <laughs> and, dub- and double oak, double uh, triple oak, and barrel picks. Why not? Yeah. And two for these distilleries, a lot of people don't realize it's a lot more profitable. All they have to do is spend another 110 bucks on a new barrel, put it in there, and then they can raise their price by, you know, say five, 10, 15, 20, whatever more dollars, you know, because it is toasted. And uh, yeah, so it's. And, and but I'm two, buying can, wood for double oak over Woodford every day. Well, and two, not for these brands per se, but for others, you know, it does kind of round out those younger grain forward notes, you know, with younger whiskeys. So it kind of gets some depth to it. So it's a technique that they can use to kind of amplify some younger distillate or tame down some younger distillate in right. that regard. Well, let's double down on that a little bit because when we think. Whoa, uh, no. that'll be uh, Well, I, I, you like what I did there? Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> The, the the way that that you you had predicted this in our our 2022 year predictions or in the year yeah. and saying that I think you're going to see a lot more toasted barrel offerings a lot of more second barrel offerings because it does sort of tame down some of those younger notes like let's go in depth with it just a little bit sure um, so you've done even some of your own testing with some of our product as well to see exactly how fast or what what it can do to a, a whiskey within the span span of just a few weeks and a couple hundred dollars later. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go Mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award winning 24 7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Well, let's double down on that a little bit because when we think- Whoa, uh, no. that'll be uh, Well, I, I, you like what I did there? Yeah. Uh, so- the, the the way that that you you had predicted this in our, our 2022 year predictions or in the year yeah. and saying that I think you're going to see a lot more toasted barrel offerings, a lot of more second barrel offerings because it does sort of tame down some of those younger notes. Like, let's go in depth with it just a little bit. Sure. Um, so you've done even some of your own testing with some of our product as well to see exactly how fast or what what it can do to a, a whiskey within the span, span of just a few weeks and a couple hundred dollars later. Yeah. It, and the reason first I'll tackle why I think that's the case, because 
there's so much new new whiskey being made in the past three to four years. And so there's going to be a ton of product available. People are ready to bottle. And then, but you taste it at three to four and you're like, gosh, it really needs to wait probably two more years. years. But if I can throw it in another secondary or throw a finishing stave or this or that, I can really kind of give some of those six-year-old characteristics with my four-year distillate. Like I said earlier, I was playing around with some finishing staves and some they're, they actually have cube technology too, where there's a company called Interstave. They're taking, they can take any stave you want and they can uh, compress it. They can, you know, chop it up and then compress it into cubes that you then can put in like a tea bag almost to like put into your, into it's, your it's barrel. It's literally like, honey, I shrunk the barrel. Oh my yeah. God. And, and I was, I was skeptical of it too, but then like they gave us a bunch of samples. I put it in, you know, some of our new make from, you know, that was, that we had that's two years old or three years old and see. Just see what different, like I had a cab barrel, had a maple barrel, had a had bourbon aged in maple, and then I had a rye barrel that was aged in maple. And then, so I was just, just to see what, how it influenced the whiskey. And like with those like maple barrels, holy cow, like it, in within five days, it changed completely. It was, it was like and Mrs. Then, Buttersworth. And then like the Cabernet barrel um, that we were messing around with, like really rounded out some two to three year old product that i had like it made it taste like five to six year old almost like you could have fooled me that i was drinking some like old granddad it gave it some like butterscotch notes like some just complexity that younger distillate doesn't have so uh yeah it's it's an interesting space i don't the problem is you know it's you know from a labeling and just the integrity of what whiskey is it's like all right how do you like kind of wrap your head around that and like what's true to uh you know, the heritage of bourbon and whatnot, but uh, it's definitely an interesting space that you can play around with. And and obviously the, the general public says, said, hey, we'd love Toasted. <laughs> and know? that's, I think and that's that, the... that thing's where brands can see like, let's capitalize on that. We have some younger distillate. We can throw them in Toasted Barrels. They're going to love it. And see, I think that's either the, it's the cautionary tale that most bourbon lovers have to try, start figuring out now is like, you say you want Toasted. Everybody loves Toasted. Everybody comes out with Toasted stuff. We see it from the supplier side. You see the benefit of saying, well, we can take a much younger product. We can rebarrel it for a few weeks and all of a yeah. sudden. And all it does is add $100 per barrel. You know, that's. That's a, that's a, you dime, know, the cheap, that's a dime per bottle then, usually yeah. when you're thinking about it when it comes out of the Even barrel. if I keep my MSRP RP the same, you know, you're not adding much to the cost. It makes the product more enjoyable on the palate and more appealing to a consumer versus that just standard four-year-old bourbon recipe. Yeah. So, Fred, I'll ask you with this because Ryan is, he's, he's basically you know, he's putting his bet on that we're going to see more toasted offerings in the future. And we've seen this trend continue. And we we don't we don't have every toasted offering up here. There's some that are coming from a bunch of different offerings. Maker's Mark is technically some sort of like toasted staved finish things in their 46 category. You've got Nulu that has their own. I mean, there's a yeah, bunch of people like first. everybody's throwing down in the toasted category. I mean, do you see this as something that is going to be a a long-term mainstay thing Absolutely. for the, for the yeah, category. No, this is this is this is for forever. And Once you're in, you're not getting back <laughs> out. Yeah, I, well, the thing is, is like it it's it has developed a real consumer base, and what I love about it, it's and while I may not agree with all the whiskeys and the opinions with this, and those who follow me will know, like you know, if you want my opinion on toasted, just just come in with with uh, just knowing I'm probably not going to like it. I, I'm not going to like it as much as you, most likely. Well, I, I do think toast is for a beginner's palate. I, and not, no offense to anyone. Like, it's, it's... I'm offended. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean at least he didn't say commoner this time. <laughs> yeah, common folk. <laughs> those commoners. Uh, 
But no, it's very sweet. Those are only you know? good C plus averages. Yeah. No. I think this, so right around the time you all were getting into whiskey, flavored whiskey was all these brands were pushing flavored whiskey. I was telling every one of them at the time, I was like, you're just trying to take advantage of the shot market at college. And I was like, and I said, one, one brand is going to come out as the winner. And the rest of you all are going to hurt your brands because people are going to have a memory, a connection of Evan Williams honey to Evan Williams and, or, or whatever. But like, it's like it, you, same with wild Turkey. They did a bunch of, they did. Yeah. And, 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 turkey, honey, and it was just, it was like a lot of people like those. And if they were done as like in liqueur style, I was like, why, why is it so hard to create a new brand and just call it like something else? And then on the back say, it's like distilled at wild Turkey. Or whatever. I don't understand why it's why, why they could never make brand differentiation. Well, they want to drag the name. I mean, that's that's the thing is if if here here to go, Fred. Let's let's put it in perspective here. I don't want to go too far on the flavored whiskey side. All I was going to say is what they are doing here is what they should have done with the flavored whiskey side. Is right. that they're 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 not trying to capture. They're trying to capture beginners in a premium way about the quality of the whiskey. I don't like all of them. I appreciate and I love this category. I love the category of toasted because what it's doing is it's it's encouraging people to taste. It's encouraging people to dive into the process and learn about it. What this is essentially is malolactic fermentation in wine. It's a it's it's teaching people about a process of the creation of this whiskey. Everybody who's in wine wants to learn about all the fermentation techniques because that's the one of the fundamental pieces of that final step that you're tasting in a bottle. And so that's what's happening here with Toasted. I love it. I think it's here to stay. When you see Jack Daniels do a Toasted, it, at a, that's, at when, you know that's when you know everything's well, over. Well, it's and two, you think about like before people make the transition to drinking with water or neat or whatever, you know, most of them are drinking it like with an old fashioned, what's in there? A lot of sweetness, sugar components. They're drinking with Coke. There's a lot of syrupy sweetness in there. Or ginger ale, you know, sugar sweet. And so you're getting a lot of these sugar sweet, you know, components on the palate. And it's not, you know, where if you just leave that out, it's kind of like a palate shock. So it's a nice like kind of ease into like, okay, I can do, I can handle this, you know. And then you kind of get used to it. And you're like, well, what's more? What, you know, where, where can I go next with this? So it's a, like Fred said, it's definitely a better gateway than flavored whiskey because, I don't know if flavored whiskeys, flavored whiskey. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still do fireballs every now and then. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you're it, not sacrificing a bourbon. It's better than vodka, wow. right? Uh, fireballs made in, with Canadian whiskey. That's right. So we're still in the brown category. So I want to kind of talk about a little bit more of the tasting notes as we're going through here. I pulled back on two a little bit. I, I thought the, the finish was a little rough. Uh, I thought the nose was okay, but I just didn't yeah. like the taste. The, the, the taste was kind of grainy. It's also coming after one, which is pretty good. But I've drank them side by side with like two and three. And it's just, they got like kind of bitter black tea kind of finish on it that I'm not really liking on it. I agree. Let's let the perfect. Yeah, let's hold. let the man who, who gets paid to do this, let's, let's let him know. So, I mean. Who's number two? Two is hot. Who's number two? <laughs> who's I, number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in a word, two is hot. Like, so it's not balanced. Yeah, it's um, not balanced at all. It's not balanced. And like the alcohol is really, really forward. So, and I don't think that's the situation of of the oak. It's not balanced. I don't get too, I mean, you get some oak, but not like that much. It's more, I don't know. It's, it doesn't I get more it, grainy kind of flavor. Yeah, I was about to say. For me. 
I was going to say that the the toastiness characteristic isn't as as pronounced. You maybe. get you get some oak on the finish, but it's like a bitter, like tanicky oak that I do not like. like. I, I didn't <laughs> you mind, know what like, I get on I the finish? The nose was good, but it was just the it was the the taste as well. Just wasn't all the way there. What I get on the finish, and this is this is a common like call out note for me, and I get like a cigarette ash, and that's like from like the oaky. That's like I I I would. I don't hate this one, but it's definitely no, last. No. Two's definitely last Com- for me. Yeah, it's it's very good. I would, I mean, I would in an I would still drink it. It's not bad by any means, but compared to the other three, it's lacking in a lot of things that they bring. And let's also be clear that the only time you take cigarette ash is because all of a sudden you picked up the wrong cup at the fraternity house party, and all of a sudden that's how you know what cigarette oh, ash God, tastes like. I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> that's gross. I don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I've never we, done. We did that. weird shit in the army, man. <laughs> That was that was a challenge. Uh, three, I actually do enjoy. I think the 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 nose isn't overly right. You know, has had the characteristics of of a toasted barrel. But I thought the taste in general, I thought it tasted just like a, a really is way more balanced than two. It just had a little bit more of the, the characteristics kind of show up front. It's maybe a little bit lighter when it comes to the finish. But I I'll, oh. I kind of enjoyed three. Yeah, three. Uh, the nose is very faint. I, I wasn't getting a lot out of it, but the it has a nice progression of there's a little bit of sweetness up front, but it's more, I mean, I know it's not overpowering, but there's a nice like, like spiciness to it that like peppery spice that I'm getting that's building. It's not like overpowering, but it's just, it's nice. I like it. Yeah. Three's kind of like, I mean, if this were, if we were, if we were doing this and this was just kind of thrown into a flight, it would just be like, yeah, it's good. Fine. Yeah, it's Bob's boring bourbon. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You're gonna stand say Bob's out. boring bourbon. You're gonna say it about one of these brands. And I like, know. We put a lot of effort into doing this. Well, they put. They all put a lot of effort into everything, and we get yeah. negative reviews all the time on things that we do that we put a lot of effort. Oh yeah. Into. Go go rummage through the comments. I mean, <laughs> the pit of humanity. I've gotten one star reviews on on books that you know where I didn't know anything I was talking about according to the reviewer and. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just we, the way it is. We we got a one-star review one time because I made fun of the bourbon chase because I was like, oh, I would man. never do this. Like, this seems awful. And somebody's like, you just don't get the essence of it. One star. And I was like, we've had like 300 episodes. <laughs> You're going to give us one star on because, one because I said one bad thing about running. I'm sorry. Yeah. People don't, people don't understand like the ramifications when they give like an impulsive one star view on something that's very minute on the whole grand yeah on the whole scale of like the whole project you're like okay that's what you picked out and you're like that's what that's what they got out of it you're like okay whatever but at the same time you know we can't be sensitive about it because at the end of the day what are we doing well and two you got to have those one stars because if you're all five stars and they're like that's fake we live in a (laughs) we live in an echo chamber well, you know, when we we take it always, we're always happy to get the feedback, and we'll we'll incorporate it any way we can to bring some cool and innovative ideas. And like I said, this is kind of one of those things that I thought of and said, this would be a good idea to kind of bring the guys together and talk about the toasted barrel craze in general. And lastly, before we talk about number four, I kind of want to get into again, sort of the brand side of things over here. So Elijah Craig, we'll talk about the the toasted process here and kind of. They they did actually send us, I remember, like a legit barrel stay from it or something like that, so you can kind of see the yeah. differences. I think it is too. Wait, so Kenny's been really working on three over there. Like we just talked so much shit about it, and it's like it's almost gone for Kenny. Well, actually, it was a little bit low fill, but I'm not gonna not gonna complain over there. So. I poured it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you want some more? No, it's all good. But when I think about what Elijah Craig did, this is one of those particular tales that it's probably a more of the the market chaser kind of thing. It's like we see where the market's going. 
I th- oh, we, we have the capability to be able to do it and let's go ahead and do it. And it works. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It works because I have seen the pictures in the different clubs around Louisville and people will say, hey, there's a case stack here at Kroger and in 30 seconds it's posted and it's drained. So it it does work from a from a whiskey geek perspective, but people are actually going out trying to find it and they categorize it in sort of this, I don't want to say unicorn category, but as something that's a little bit harder to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Heaven Hill gets, I think, wrongly accused of being a follower in the space a lot. Uh, By follower, I mean like an American whiskey there. Like, you know, something will come out and then, and Heaven Hill will come out a year later, two years later with something very similar. And they, they got kind of accused that with Elijah Craig. And I think that's unfair because they've done a lot of innovative things with their Parker's heritage. Oh, for uh, sure. Well, and they do a ton that you never see. Yeah. Like they have experiments going on all the time. That yeah. And I, I think, I think when it comes to that sort of thing, you know, Heaven Hill gets beat up a little bit, but I think what we're, you know, one thing that we're not really talking about here is barrel entry proof. Heaven Hill is, uh, is 125. Michter's is 103. The wild Turkey is probably when this was done, it was probably 114. I think it's, yeah, one fourteen. Held was this one again. So that which one? The, the wild turkey held is the toasted oak finish mastery. Well, I don't remember. That, uh, they have everything there. I just can tell you it's one hundred and one proof batch number one from Rick House six. That's hmm. all I got. And it's not age dated. I, I probably I probably could have gotten the press release out, but that's all I can get for for the moment. If memory serves, Woodford is is one twenty. It might be one twenty five. But when Heaven Hills, Heaven Hill, well, and two with Woodford, you got those heat cycled warehouses. That's right. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Gained Double a couple up on of years the age on those. That's right. And so we have a lot of we have a lot of unique characteristics about that. One thing that I have found about Heaven Hill products is that after twelve years old, my palate is very sensitive to their stuff being like over oaked. Like I have, everybody loves Elijah Craig, eighteen year old. I've only had like one or two releases yeah. that I really liked. Kenny, that's in Kenny's wheelhouse. I, I really like yet. it, but you, you got to understand that Elijah Craig 18 is a single barrel offering. Yeah, so that's true. So you're, you're going to have a lot of hit and misses. Right. And, and thankfully, I've had probably more hits than misses, but I, I certainly have had misses with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Fred. I think Heaven Hills Distillates really shines at 8 to 12. And Perfect. I mean, so many Elijah Craig barrel proofs that are just... that. I, there may be one out of the 50 they've released batches they've released that I didn't like. And then so many of those will it like great bottles that were eight to like 13, 12 years. I had some that were eight or nine years that were just pure, like toffee peanut butter bombs. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, that's the sweet spot for me for the heaven Hill distillate, but any younger than that, Ooh boy. <laughs> it's, and then any over than that, it gets too oaky for me as well. Uh, so my but, so my point to that is from a creation perspective, like you and I both have Heaven Hill on a clock after like eight years old, right? For the over unless it's on the first floor, you know, just chilling, exactly. nothing. But yeah, typically. So yeah. if they're taking regular Elijah Craig, which is eight nine years old, and then putting in a toasted barrel, you know, I could see why I would not be as excited about it. Whereas the other ones, you know, are probably put in those barrels at the right time. Heaven Hill is is uh, no doubt that's a new product and they're not having any problem selling it and it's one it's done just fine on the award circuit. I think that from a marketing perspective, you know, as people learn more and more, they're going to want to know more about the whiskey that goes into the toasted barrel. And so like I think there will be a this a, a renaissance of information if you will. Yeah, and, and it's a and it's not a like a, a call out transparency thing. It's just like they want to find out what they like at what age and that's where 
that's one of the things that I love about all of this is that what Toasted has done is it has gotten newbies to like really dig deep into the category. Well, and two, it's elevated like just like brands awareness of like what I mean, they understood it. Don't get me wrong, like what the oak does to a wood. But now with ISC and their research and development program, you know, they have analytics on every type of toast or this or char, this, that. And so these brands can, you know, be able to play with their distill and see what the perfect amount of toast is, what the perfect amount of char, you know, to where it really balances out and like accentuates their distillate versus just like, nope, we're going to do a three or four char and we'll see in eight years, you know, we can, they can really fine tune it now. And it's an exciting part about, I think that's what's toasted's done to the category. Like, okay, we can really manipulate this distillate at a much younger age and and make it you know more available so let's use that d- data and uh all that to really amplify our distillate to make it the best product in whiskey it can be sure and there's so much more opportunity as well i mean what elijah craig is the typical 94 proof and then they came out with barrel proof so they came out with toasted barrel at 94 proof what do you think is the next thing they're going to do toasted barrel proof. <laughs> there you go so i think it's it's a natural progression of of how you can continually I wouldn't say innovate in the category, but how you can keep your your customer base continually interested because we just thought of that in 10 seconds. I'm sure right. they thought of it 10 years ago. Sure. And so you have an opportunity to be able to say, kind of like slow roll this thing out. You have the way to continue to kind of stay in the press and kind of keep people very interested in it as well. But it's still a pretty good product today. But I guess we'll find out here when we start revealing what we have. Uh, personally, I, I went with one and three as my favorites. I thought one definitely had more of a toasted characteristic. Two, or sorry, three was a little bit less, a little more fruity on the nose and the palate. Uh, had probably a little bit more bourbon shine through rather than yeah. too much of a of a toasting process kind of show through. But then again, it was like if you want a toasted barrel, like maybe you want more of that. And it was a little bit more viscous, uh, a little bit more kind of that stuff going one out of one. So if I had to choose between the two, I might go to three only because it is a little more of a, a regular profile, but I really did like one only because it brought a, a an amplified toast in its profile. And that's what you want. You want to try something different Then I'd lean towards one. I'm going one, four, three, two. One's got this beautiful like brown sugar note to there, accented with like this like dark chocolate and like pecan shell. The wood, the oak is there, but it is complementing it and it's it's creating it. And and four was very close for me, but there was just a little bit too much oak there. It came through as like a like a like a hickory, like a hickory smoke in some ways. Three, you know, when when I get into three, I'm just I'm I'm just it just doesn't excite me. It's it's fine. Between these four at least for me, two fell to the bottom of the pack as well. Yeah, two was just, yeah, was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in, I'm in line. I, I really liked one, four, and three. I thought three, I love three, but I thought it was probably, like you said, more bourbon-esque. It, it, there wasn't as much of a toasted influence. So yeah. if I'm, I guess if I'm going for a toasted product, I kind of want to try no, he, that. Yeah, you want um, elevated. And three is very good. Like I, I would drink this every day. It's got great. Yeah, three is great. Great spice to it. There's some great fruit notes. Great. It's just a great overall distillate. Four on the finish, it kind of gets in that bitter likeness to me that I just don't like. One is like a perfect balance where you're getting a lot of toast, but you're there's still like a a lot of fruitiness. You know, I get some raspberries. I get that dark chocolate pecan that Fred's talking about. So I would have to go with one. 
Well, it sounds like one is one is unanimous, is unanimous vote of what it is. So yeah. let's go ahead and let's see what bring it out here. Here's the results. So cheers. Thank you to my wife, Lauren, who went and did this for us as well. But number so, two will get the most uh, hype. Well, well, let's let's start off with the one that we we actually liked the least, which was number two, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually the Elijah Craig yeah. Toasted Barrel. Okay. So okay. So At least I'm consistent. I, I thought that was the case, but yep. We'll think three was probably number, number three. Yeah. Probably for most of mm-hmm. you all. That actually happened to be the Wild Turkey one. Yeah. What do you know? And then we said number four came in second, correct? Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. We'll might as well just say our grand champion, right? Because they, they, by reason by, of by decisioning, default, by, by decisioning, what came number one was number one. That happened to be the Woodford Double Oaked. Hey, there you go. I would have guessed that too. Brings it's the really dentist days from Fred. Yeah, it's you know, and this by the way, this is a neck pour from a barrel pick of yours. Actually, it was actually it's not. It, it's, it, uh, it, was, it was actually kind of a blend of two because I had a I had a double oak and we finished up. We we almost had like the entire thing full, and I was like, all right, well, I don't have enough to make sure that we know the difference in the in the fill height and the levels. So we grabbed a little bit of that and sort of blend them together. But it's still a double oak at the end of the day, and it's probably going to fit the profile. That what you're going to have from really nice, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like you know, when I do my VIP tastings, I add this into my tasting. It's the one that I like to use to like talk about like what the oak barrel does and and add comp you know and complement it. And it, you'd be you'd be surprised how allocated that is throughout the country. Yeah, it's not as actually easy to find as you'd think. And it is amazing with you know, although Michter's is making their own recipe per se, that like how much. On the sweeter spectrum, those two were, and I kind of thought this going into it, like, you know, there's going to be much more sweeter, a little cherry, more fruitier. And then the, you know, the two high rye mash bills had brought, you know, more of that spice and grain characteristic. The one, you know, if I was just drinking regular bourbons, that would be a really good bourbon for me for which one for number three number the, three which the, was the one which was a, oh the wild sorry yeah. keep i know wild that's confusing one, yeah. which but, is unfortunate because that's not your drinking regular bourbon that is i know that's that, high dollars that's a limited release offer <laughs> well right and the there. thing is is the reason why the reason why i didn't elevate that higher is because we are looking at this as a categorical taste off sure yeah. and this just did three while i'm i'm probably that's an everyday bourbon kind of situation it does not come off as a toasted. No, in it this, doesn't. Especially no. in this blind tasting. Very light other on the to- toasting. If yes. anything. Yeah. And 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 I think that's like the the market will will flesh that out. You know, does the market want things that taste um like it's toasted or is it want it to taste like it's not? Yeah, Slightly like, like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like what came out today is that we all do. If we're looking and for a toasted barrel taste off, we want that kind of toasted feel to it. And what do you know? The OG, the one who yeah. started it all, actually came out on top. Well, yeah. we should have had Pritchers in here. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if the I double have barrel. a bottle of that. I you that know, would have been cool. Pritchards is actually such a such an interesting cat, and and like a lot of his stuff ended up on like uh, you know, just end up in the rotation of like the open market. But was Kentucky out? It, it wasn't toasted barrel. It was just a no, new Kentucky char, out was is rebarrel, like a new barrel, yeah, new char barrel, exactly. Yeah. Which is kind of like what 1910 was, which yeah, is yeah. why I tried to you know not qualify for this. But guys, this was uh, amazing to be able to kind of talk through this. We got to give as much information as we could 
yeah give out to let people sponge on toasted barrels and, and our thoughts and processes and everything like that as well so if you don't agree with us don't write us a bad review i don't i don't care what you say like this is all opinion but doesn't it still help the algorithm no it does not not on the bad review side we need we need good reviews if you want to write us a bad <laughs> comment go ahead send it to fred just email fredminick.com hey i can take it i can take it He's got a f- folder for those. <laughs> it automatically, I, yeah, it's get, a label. It automatically goes to. I get more. I get you know for every hundred co- uh, positive comments, I probably get two negatives. But I know, and it's what do you focus on? Those two. Those are, those are two. <laughs> well, and, usually they're making fun of my hair or you know way I look, and I'm like, okay, eh, that's real mature. You gotta <laughs> yeah. let the haters go. Let the haters go. You gotta you gotta you gotta fight beyond. Find the positive in everything. Hey, yeah, I, this was I, fun. I like all that. I know is I got good whiskey. And I get to drink whiskey for a living. So uh, the yeah. haters can just come you're, go right off my back. Hashtag winning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, cool. That was, it was a good episode today, guys. Be able to kind of talk about Toasted Barrels, be able to rank some things, you know, because we don't like to, we don't do a lot of ranking on, on here. And it's not yeah, to say that, fun. and it's not to say that we rank these as, as better than worse than somebody else. It's just kind of what it is today when we tasted them. And if you're a big fan yeah. of, of any of these, feel free to go out and buy it. Do it yourself. I think this is one of those things you just kind of learn about. And it really, it surprised us, the fact that you can get the toasted barrel that's always on the shelf, which is wood for double oak. Well, not so much anymore. Well, I mean, we'll see what, <laughs> you can we'll get see what comes out after this. You can you get to say? it, but no, well, no, I, hell, I've had a hard time finding double oak. You know, yeah. people will be like, can you go and find double oak for me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And I go to the store and like, we've been sold out for years. It's, it's, it's a great, it's really a, a great product. Yeah. I, and, I, and it's, it's funny because like, it's, Woodford Reserve is fine. That is great. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, they complement each other really well. Yeah. Cool. So let's go ahead and end it. But cheers, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and subscribe to Bourbon Pursuit wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple. That's Spotify. That's iHeartRadio. That's Pandora. It's Amazon Music. You know it. Oh, let's see if you can run through all of them. Uh, then Stitcher. It's CastBox. <laughs> it's no, just there's there's endless, endless places that you, you can do one get every it from. week. I know. It really is. And then if you do like what you hear, feel free to tell a friend about it. That's the best way to spread the love of bourbon and spread what you can do to help us out as well as tell a friend and say you've got to listen to Bourbon Pursuit. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week.